Not only were traces of chloroform found in the trunk of her car, but that her laptop computer showed she searched the internet. For 31 okay. days, she didn't report her daughter missing. I'm done. Okay, what is the three-year-old's name? Kaylee, C-A-Y-L-E-E. -E. The jury find the defendant not guilty. <laughs> but I also couldn't exclude the possibility of it being an accident, so I, I can't find her guilty of a crime if I'm not sure a crime was committed. And I really try to live my life in a way that I try my best day in and day out not to pass judgment on others. It's something I wish a lot more people uh, employed, but for some reason they don't, that's that's on them, so. Well, I, don't, I don't disagree with that when it comes to a moral failing, a genuine mistake. When it comes to murdering your three-year-old, I feel differently. I'm going to judge. Well, you know, I think we're all going again, to judge. you're assuming appropriately. that she murdered someone. There were 12 very important yeah. people who heard it's not an assumption that you didn't that uh, felt other no i did i actually heard i i watched the case and i you weren't in the, the court very closely there's a the lot time. that that happens in a courtroom that you don't see on tv in fact yeah. it's a big aspect uh, uh that's true but i also practiced law for 10 years and i understand how how lawyers manipulate juries somewhere out there the devil is dancing tonight Hey, true crime besties, welcome back to an all new episode of Serial Asleep. Hey everybody, welcome back to an all new episode of Serialistly with me, Annie Elise. And boy, do we have the mother load of episodes to talk about today. In all honesty, I didn't even have doing an episode on this on my radar, but then I was completely caught off guard when a new documentary dropped literally two nights ago about Casey Anthony's parents and them doing a lie detector test. It's actually called Casey Anthony's parents, the lie detector test, which not very original, but straight to the point, which I can appreciate. So I had no plans on even ever going back to this case since the dumpster fire that was Casey's Peacock documentary. But then this documentary or film came up and I watched it. Of course, we've got a lot to talk about because it is pretty wild. So what I want, first of all, let me kind of tell you about this new documentary that came out regarding Casey's parents. It's really not only just the polygraph and the questions and the results, but it's also their reactions to Casey's documentary because they have never seen it before. And I'll explain why as we go on. But because of that, I also will be touching on Casey's Peacock documentary a little bit throughout this. I did do a full-on deep dive of that documentary dissecting it and like dismantling this trout's lies one by one so if you want to watch that and you missed it when that first came out earlier this year or maybe it was the end of last year actually well 2022 20 we're in 2024 now but you get what I mean so I'm going to link that in the show notes below if you have not seen that because it definitely is worth watching for sure so similar to the Casey Anthony video I did, what I want to do is start this off by if you're watching the YouTube version of this, take one quick second and comment below and tell me if you think that Cindy and George, Casey's parents, had anything to do with Kaylee's disappearance, with whether it's the murder, the disappearance, the cover-up, anything. Then I want you to come back at the end of the video to the comment section 
and tell me if your mind has changed. It was interesting because when I had you guys do that during the Casey video, there were quite a few minds that were changed. So I'm interested to see if that's the case here. So let's talk about the documentary and kind of how it kicks it all off. So it takes place in Orlando, Florida, which is where Casey's parents live. Now, to refresh your memory on Kaylee, June 16th, 2008 was the last day that Kaylee was seen alive. She was then reported missing one month later by Casey's mom, Cindy. 911, what's your emergency? I called a little bit ago. The deputy sheriff, I found out my granddaughter has been taken. She has been missing for a month. We're talking about a three-year-old little girl. My daughter finally admitted that the baby's in the store. I need to find her. Your daughter admitted that the baby is where? But the babysitter took her a month ago. My daughter's been looking for I told you my daughter was missing for a month. I just found her today, but I can't find my granddaughter. And she just admitted to me that she's been trying to find her herself. There's something wrong. I found my daughter's car today, and it smells like there's been a dead body in the damn car. Okay, what is the three-year-old's name? Kaylee. C-A-Y-L-E-E. Anthony. Kaylee Anthony? Yes. All well. little Kaylee was missing. Casey was out partying, drinking, getting tattoos, writing bad checks, and just living like she was not a mother, living like she had no care in the world whatsoever. Little Kaylee, however, was then found five months later, and she was found in the woods near the family's home, and her remains were in a garbage bag. If you remember the details of this case, you know that there was duct tape involved. It was pretty, pretty horrific. So at the end of 2022, Casey, who is honestly the most hated woman in America, speaks out for the very first time. And she says in this documentary that not only did her dad abuse her, like she alleged in her trial, but he abused her daughter Kaylee as well. And because of this, this is why George and Cindy have now come out saying, no, she's a fucking liar and we're going to do a polygraph to prove our innocence. So for George, this polygraph was all about if he had anything to do with Kaylee's disappearance. And then there was also another segment of it of if he ever abused Kaylee or Casey sexually. So there were two components to this. Now for Cindy, it's been long suspected that she had been hiding the truth the entire time, that she knew something about either George's involvement or his help with the cover-up or he knew more or she knew more about what Casey's truth really was and that she was trying to just protect her family and really keep her family intact. So she wanted to take this polygraph to prove her innocence and all of that. So Cindy was tested on whether or not George had told her in any way, shape, or form that he was directly involved in Kaylee's death, Kaylee's disappearance, anything of that sort. So they begin this documentary by walking through the family home and discussing Kaylee and discussing what happened 16 years ago today, which it's just so crazy to think about that Kaylee would, what, be almost 20 years old now? Is that right? That is so insane to think about because it really does feel like this all happened yesterday in some aspects. Say hi, Mom. Say hi to Mom. It's a story full of twists, and three months into it, the heartbreaking question at its core remains. Alive or dead, where is Kaylee Marie Anthony? My granddaughter, she'll say Kaylee Marie Anthony. Might not be Anthony. Oh, how old are you? I'm two and a half. She does that. I have Tinker and Chili. That's our two dogs. And we have a cat named Penny. She'll say Pepe. That is our granddaughter. 
I miss those little things that she did day in and day out with me. I miss that. All I want is my granddaughter back. Come here. Come see Grammy. We live, breathe all day long. What are we going to do? Right. And what are we going to do if we don't find her soon? Because all of our hearts are breaking every day. Oh, do you believe your daughter knows what happened? Yes, I believe 100%. And I kept hoping upon hope that she would confess. And that's the only reason I've been put myself through all of her drama and everything. Absolutely correct. Since June 16, 2008, Kaylee has been my number one priority as far as what happened to her and getting her back. I lost Casey and my granddaughter that day, but Kaylee was always the priority. Kaylee's always been the priority. That's been my focus and goal the whole time is to find out the truth and to sit here and listen to her keep making different stories as it fits. I'm having a hard time. I'm having a panic attack. I'm sorry. I take okay. my anxiety okay. pills. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. So they start by going into one of Cindy's main rooms that she spends all of her time in. It actually looks like it's her craft room, I think, and she's doing like diamond paintings as she's talking to the journalist and filming this documentary. And they had actually turned Casey's bedroom into this craft room but apparently because Kaylee used to spend so much time in Casey's bedroom when she was younger and of course when she was alive it was it had more of Kaylee's spirit according to Cindy so Cindy filled the room with photos of Kaylee happy memories and Cindy said that when she goes in that room to do her crafts it makes her feel the closest to Kaylee because that's a room that she spent so much of her time in when she was alive they also believe that Kaylee is the guardian angel that kept George alive when he got into a very bad car wreck about five years ago. This wreck was so bad that it actually ended up in him needing to get rehab for, I believe, over a month to regain his strength and certain capabilities. And so not only do they believe that Kaylee is the guardian angel who kept him alive through that, but George also says that he has seen Kaylee twice in the house since she died. He says that once he saw her and she was saying something about like, I love you, Jojo, or I'll see you soon. And then another time, I think she was just like stroking his nose or like being playful. But he says that he has seen Kaylee in that house twice since she died. So before Casey's documentary, they had heard rumors that she was doing a documentary and that she was going to speak out. However, they never believed it because apparently Casey had always told them that she would never, ever, ever exploit Kaylee's memory, which is obviously complete bullshit, if you ask me. So then they found out that she was doing it and that she was moving forward with it. And because of that, because she had always promised that she wasn't going to exploit the memory of Kaylee, they couldn't support it and they chose not to watch it. They were like, this is disgusting. This feels super gross. We're not on board. So because George and Cindy did not watch the documentary on Peacock, they apparently did not know the extent of the allegations that Casey made against them. And this is actually the first time that they are seeing it. And they are seeing it being played back for them after they take the polygraph test. Now, even though they didn't watch it, they had heard through the grapevine the allegations that Casey made about George sexually abusing not only her, but also little Kaylee. And this, I mean, how could they possibly have avoided that? Because it's in the news everywhere. There were articles written. They knew the, the gist of it, but they didn't quite know the extent of it. 
So now that they were hearing that Casey's also alleging that George was sexually assaulting little Kaylee, they were enraged when they heard this. And not only that, but they were receiving hate voicemails. They wouldn't be able to go out in public without people accosting them and yelling at them. So that's what made them ultimately decide that they wanted to come on and address everything. And it's interesting because in this, when asked about who Casey is, they say she still lies about everything. She's a proven liar. She lies about everything to this day. So they start with the polygraph prep, and George was up first for the polygraph, and Cindy was in the other room watching live as these results were coming, and not the results, but as he was taking it, I should say, and as the polygraph reader and tester was asking these questions. And I'll be honest, it was kind of uncomfortable because on the drive to the polygraph center, I was not loving George's body language. The journalist was asking how their marriage has survived over the almost now two decades, and they did say that they had a lot of struggles given everything that was going on. And then he asked the couple what would happen if there were some surprises in this polygraph test. To which Cindy said, uh, I don't know, I mean, I would be surprised. And George was kind of just like fidgeting the entire time during this conversation, which is what I did not love about the body language. Again, that's not to say he's guilty or not. I personally don't believe he has any had any involvement. I haven't for as long as I can remember. But there was something about his body language in this moment where he was just like fidgeting and felt very uncomfortable about it, which makes sense too because it is a very uncomfortable topic, right? Something else that I didn't particularly... Not, I don't want to say didn't particularly love, but didn't sit right with me entirely, was that he brought up the fact that he had tried or thought about taking his own life several, several times. It wasn't just once where he brought it up, where he brought up the time where he actually made the attempt and then brought up something where he has thought about it several times over the years. It kind of almost felt like a consistent thread throughout the documentary. And what I didn't like about that and what kind of felt icky to me is it kind of felt like it was almost being pushed onto the viewer to where they would feel sorry for him. Not to say they shouldn't have sympathy, but I don't know. It kind of felt a little bit too often for my liking, if that makes sense. So the way they started the polygraph test was first reviewing all of the questions that they were going to be asking and that they would have to answer. And the reason that they do this is because as they're going with the test, they don't want there to be any sort of surprises that could ultimately lead to a false read or false activity. It's really so that the person taking the test and answering the questions is prepared for these questions so that they can't later be like, oh, well, that question took me by surprise. That's why you had a jump in my, a spike in my heartbeat or whatever it would be you know now if you've seen the Chris Watts interrogation footage it's the same process that agent Tammy Lee used to conduct the polygraph the person conducting the polygraph for Cindy and George happened to be an FBI agent with over 20 years of experience and had also recently retired in 2022 they also are taking this polygraph before they hear those allegations from Casey and watch the documentary themselves Then after the documentary is when they get the results. So the process, just to kind of break it down and explain it even more clearly if needed, they go in, they get the questions, they get asked the questions, they answer them, the results come in, they go home, they watch the documentary, they watch Casey's allegations, then after that they get the results from their polygraph. So that's the way that this was all kind of 
lined up and edited out. So the way this documentary starts is they start with the allegations of sexual assault against Casey, which was actually the very first question on George's polygraph. And I'm going to go through all of the questions that they asked them before we go into the results and kind of the reactions and all of those things. So with George, they ask, did you ever have any sexual contact with Casey? Did you ever touch Casey for sexual gratification? As an adult, have you ever had any sexual contact with a minor? Now, these were the three questions that were surrounding the behavior and the allegations of the behavior, not necessarily Kaylee's disappearance. The next set of questions for George were, did you actively cause Kaylee's disappearance? Did you knowingly conceal Kaylee's whereabouts? Which I want to just say, George was really struggling with this question. It had to be asked multiple times. He had to be told that he needed to give a direct answer, and it felt very uncomfortable. And then the last question for George was, did you place Kaylee's body in the ground? Now, Cindy's questions were, again, more targeted about George. What did he know? What did he share with her? So the first question that she was asked was, did George ever confirm that he was actively involved in Kaylee's death? The next, did George ever confirm that he actively participated in Kaylee's disappearance? And then finally, did George ever say that he knew where Kaylee was while she was missing? Obviously, some very pointed and loaded questions, certainly. So like I said, they start with the allegations of the sexual assault against Casey, which was that first question that George was asked. Now, before we get to the results, it goes through their reaction process, seeing what those allegations were and watching the documentary, which was very uncomfortable to watch. And it was interesting, actually, as they were preparing to sit down to watch the documentary, there was a really weird incident on the couch where Cindy actually started yelling at production, being like, Erica, what are you thinking? Kind of acting like very diva behavior because she wanted to turn George's chair in a little bit more. It was just, I ha it's not like it's irrelevant in the grand scheme of things, but I gotta say, it is something that stuck out to me and it felt very off-putting. Um, but, but I'm sensing some tension after yeah. yesterday's polygraph. Sure. Are. And they can change our life. They can change our life. This is serious. You both ready to hear her allegations? I want to go on as long as George feels comfortable. I just, that's Taylor. Can we just angle this a little bit? Just pull this side out a little so George is this way instead of having it back. Yeah, we, you I mean, want to see before we get started? Sorry, actually, do you find it works so well the way it is? Okay, Erica, yeah. you don't even want to try it. It's just, it has I'm not out. moving this. I'm not moving this. I want to move him this way so that he can see. Okay, let's go and try it. Right. I said, we, can we try yeah, it? Right. I didn't let's say to do it. I said, can we try it? I'm not even getting any consideration. I don't want to make this harder than it is. And that's not very much. I'm trying to help him because if he blows all this, she wants to control all the time. So anyways, they start off with talking about the sexual assault and they start showing them the footage from this Peacock documentary where Casey is dropping these bombshells. She says that her dad raped her from age eight to 12 years old. And she says that she only started remembering all of this and remembering the abuse while she was in jail, that it was a suppressed memory that then finally came back to her while sitting in jail, which, like I mentioned in my video of this when I recapped her whole Peacock documentary, 
it was more likely, in my opinion, that she started concocting a story while she was in jail with her defense team, trying to figure out how she was going to get out of this. But she also says in this documentary that she thinks that her dad was also abusing Kaylee. I had something to say to make my daughter proud, but also to honor her properly. And this is part of that. I still don't know. What? What happened to Kaylee? I know what I'm afraid of. I know what eats at me at night. I know what eats at me day after day. Because I know what I lived through. But I'm still defending the fact that I didn't hurt her. I live it every single day. And no one can ever tell me I should just get over the fact that my daughter isn't here and I've been blamed for her being gone. Your daughter is suggesting in pretty vivid detail the kind of dysfunction that she says was a part of her upbringing. I need you to brace yourself because the allegations you're about to hear are pretty intense. My nightmare last night, it was similar to other things that happened to me growing up. What was the nightmare last night? My father was holding me down and raping me. Jesus Christ, come on. It happens again and again and again. When I was eight years old, my father started to come into my room at night. I was physically hurt, and I can't tell mommy what happened. She never called me mommy. She always called me mom. She'll get mad at me. That's what I was told. Wow. It's a good fabrication on her part. First thing is, I know she's lying. You know she's lying. I can't understand how someone, her and I brought into this world, we did everything we could for her. How could this have happened? Well, here's the thing, too. There's no physical way for him to have sexual intercourse three times, three to four times a week in that room without hearing it. How many feet from your bedroom to where Casey's? What, 30? And we always had our doors open. Everybody knows how protective I am of my children. I would have castrated him myself if I thought he did that. Then they show the parents the part of the documentary where Casey talks about who Kaylee's father is, and she says and drops a bombshell that she was actually raped. Now, this very, very well may be true because I am not in any position to say it did or didn't happen, but I will say that she did tell her mom back when she got pregnant who the father was, and she never mentioned it being forced sex. She also never mentioned it to the defense team, and instead she told the defense team that she would never provide them with the father's identity and that she would take it to the grave. So initially, this had a lot of people speculate if Casey's brother or father was Kaylee's biological father, if this was due to incest to a sexual attack on Casey. And that was because of all of the allegations that she had made. But both of them had been ruled out via DNA. And we're going to get into more of where those allegations stemmed from a little later on. So when she says that this is how she got pregnant in the documentary, it's inconsistent with her past claims, which again, it could very well be true. She may have just had too much shame to admit it until now, absolutely. But what I will say struck me as odd, though, was when she tells her story of being sexually assaulted and getting pregnant, she says that she was drugged and that she remembers absolutely nothing. And then she says, I was thinking, why did this happen? How did this happen? 
but she never made a comment in any of it saying, who did this to me? It was all about, why did it happen? How did this happen? Which to me indicates that she does know who got her pregnant. But if she doesn't remember anything from that night, how would she know who the father was or who assaulted her? So then after being played this clip of Casey's version of events, they are asked by the journalist, the parents are, do you know who Kaylee's father was? To which they say they have absolutely no idea because the story constantly changed. Then it gets into the day that Kaylee was last seen, the allegations of that day, and then the 31 days that followed. So we're going to get into all of those horrific details in just a second. But first, I am going to take a quick break, have a sip of my Diet Coke, because this is a case that I desperately needed Diet Coke to get me through. And Diet Coke is not a sponsor, but Diet Coke, if you're watching, hit me up. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys, that whole new year, new me, healthy eating mumbo jumbo always feels like I'm just saying no. No to flavor, no to snacking, and no to the food I love, right? The good food, the good stuff. But this year, I am going strong with my healthy changes because I am saying yes to Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to meet my goals and to stick with them. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup all out of cooking by delivering my favorite veggie and fruit-packed meals, healthy meals, all of the tasty meals straight to my door. I am literally obsessed with all things butternut squash and their butternut squash and rosemary soup is like mm, mm, mm. chef's kiss so good I really want it in my face right now and don't even get me started on their smoothies they are so beyond fresh so tasty so it's perfect when I need to just grab something and go and you guys can say yes to healthy habits too without the hassle with Daily Harvest. Go to dailyharvest.com slash cereal to get up to $65 off your first box plus free shipping. This is for a limited time only. That's dailyharvest.com slash cereal for up to $65 off your first box plus free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash cereal. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now around New Year's, I feel like we all kind of get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Now for me, that's why instead of resolutions, I decided this year I was going to do a list of ins and outs. What I want in for the year, what I want out for the year. And the way that I keep balanced through all of that and hold myself to it is through therapy. Because therapy can really help you find your strengths so that you can ditch those extreme resolutions and make the changes that really stick better habits not just like one-off resolutions so for me what I have found is that therapy helps me hone in and focus on what I'm doing well while also helping me brainstorm how to achieve the things that I want out that are on my out list so if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it is entirely online and it is designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge so celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash AE today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot slash AE. So now we're talking about the day that Kaylee was last seen. In the documentary, Casey says that her dad woke her up at 9 a.m. and he was shaking her. She says that he came in shaking her to wake her up asking where Kaylee was. So they searched the property and then while looking in the backyard before getting back inside, apparently George approached Casey and he was holding Kaylee. And according to Casey, Kaylee was wet and Kaylee was heavy. She was also saying that her dad kept saying, this is your fault. You caused this. Yet in the next breath, he would say, don't worry, she's going to be okay. 
So George and Cindy's reaction to this part of the documentary was pretty interesting, and they both say that it wouldn't make sense to any rational person if it were to have unfolded and went down that way. So then George says, and this is something that kind of bugged me, but I'm probably just being very sensitive because this is a case that has always weighed heavily on me, but George then says, it did not happen that way. I don't know, guys. Again, I probably am just reading into it, but I wanted to mention it because it's something that stood out to me, and if you watched it, I would imagine it would stand out to you, but he says it did not happen that way, which if Kaylee never drowned in the pool or if he never had any involvement of picking her up, bringing her to Casey, or helping with the cover-up or anything, why would not just say it didn't happen? It never happened. But instead, he said, it didn't happen that way. And the journalist also asked about nuggets of truth in that story. And Cindy says that the piece of truth in that story is that when Casey wakes up, she couldn't find Kaylee. She says that Casey was distracted and that she didn't know where she was and that she started panicking. And then she went outside and she found Kaylee in the pool. And she also says that Casey is blaming George because her defense attorney, Jose, said that they needed to blame somebody else at the trial so that they could get her out of getting the death penalty. So... He's the one, apparently, according to Cindy, that put that initial idea in her head to blame George. And then she goes on to say that she just basically concocted this story over the years in her mind to somehow cope with Kaylee drowning on her watch in the pool. So as Cindy is retelling this story and as Casey is telling this story in the documentary, you can see that George is clearly getting annoyed. And he says that Jose said that because it's one of Casey's lies. And it was kind of awkward because you can totally get the dynamic that they both know that Casey is a liar through and through. But there's a part of Cindy that for some reason wants to believe Casey. And you can tell that that upsets George quite a bit. And then George is hesitant to repeat that no, he thinks that Casey harmed Kaylee or possibly drugged her. And then when they see that bizarre part of the Peacock documentary about Casey's bizarre story about George holding Kaylee as she was soaking wet because she drowned and then hands her to Casey saying everything will be okay, Cindy actually looked at the screen in disbelief and she immediately says, Casey knows CPR. And then later she says, so does George because of his career in law enforcement. So let's for a second talk about some of the inconsistencies that I saw that stood out too from Casey's documentary based on what we know from court docs, all of those things. So she had started in this documentary by saying Kaylee would absolutely never leave the bedroom without telling her. Never ever because they shared a room, remember. She then says that her dad was screaming and saying, this is all your fault, this is all your fault. Yet the next moment he was comforting her, saying Kaylee's gonna be okay. Another question I have is, we know that Kaylee was found with duct tape on her. So why would there be duct tape on her if she drowned? Why would you need to do that unless you were actually trying to stage something? And in the documentary, Casey actually even says that she does not think that Kaylee drowned and how the ladder was actually still there against the pool. So what's the truth here? Next, we go into more of Casey's allegations about the sexual assault against Kaylee. So they, once again, show the documentary to Cindy and George, and they show them the part where Casey brings up the pillow and how George would use the pillow with her. He would smother her until she went limp, and that that's oftentimes when he would take advantage of her. So she then says that she believes that her dad, George, also used that same tactic and smothered Kaylee with a pillow. Then he had sex with her, he assaulted her, and then he staged the drowning to cover up the real cause of death, that it was suffocation while he was assaulting her and violating her. 
Now, their reaction, again, was a little bit off to me, but I've never been in that situation, obviously, but something just didn't feel super heartfelt about their reaction and about how they were trying to combat this allegation. He takes her from me and he immediately softens his tone and tells me it's going to be okay, that she was going to be okay. That's what he said to me. I wanted to believe him because I wanted her to be okay. She can say that so easy. And George, you're hearing this from your daughter's mouth for the first time. Does that make, does that make sense to any rational person, any sane person? You would hand off a lifeless baby soaking wet and you're not attempt to do, do something? Kind of Plus, George knew CPR from the Sheriff's Department. He was well, certified. George, you would know, wouldn't you? He well, was certified in CPR. Well, you want to start speaking up for yourself. This is all coming down on you. I know it is. And, and if you've got information that refutes this, you need to speak up for yourself. Well, I understand that. Everything I know that Casey is saying right there is a lie. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe that our daughter could leave her daughter in my arms soaking wet. That does not compute in my life. It will never compute in my life. I may wear this theme out. Wear it out. Okay. What is the nugget of truth in this story of what happened that day? based on the story she's telling us. The first nugget of truth was Casey woke up. Couldn't find Kaylee. So that means she was distracted. Didn't know where Kaylee was at. She finds her in the pool, lifeless, panics. The reason she brings George into it is because who did Jose say he was going to throw under the bus to save Casey's life from the death penalty? and life in prison, George, based on the fact- Because this is what she's saying in her own words now. There's no there's no Jose Baez right. sitting next but to her. But Jose's the one that put the idea in her head. Why is she, she is acquitted. She doesn't have to tell the story. You see what I'm saying? So why is yeah. she- No, I think Casey has thought about that over the years. And created and it. created it in her mind to cope with, with Kaylee's drowning on her watch. Does that sound reasonable to you? It does sound reasonable. Reasonable. But that's the nugget of truth, George. I understand that. But also, with me being out there and bringing Kaylee in to give it to her, that's a really big fabrication. Because it did not freaking happen that way. It did not happen. I don't believe that. How many times I will hear, well, she's drowning in the pool. She's drowning in the pool. People want to say that. You want to say it? That's fine. I know what my feelings are. I, I know what I saw in evidence. I saw it. Let me stop him right here. Honey, okay, fine. No, listen, listen. This, this is over for me. No, George. This, this is done. T- this is done. Tony, I, I will not Tony, stand did here I? And, and you keep defending her. I'm not, de- no, I'm not defending her. Tell him You're, I'm not defending her. Yes, you are. Can I, can yes, I, you are. Can I, can I, can I yes. suggest what the bridge is? Can I, tell, can I suggest what it's the bridge is? him not listening to what I said. The lead investigator of Casey's defense team, Pat McKenna, sat down with Casey. I want you both to have a look. We never discussed this, but when he abused you, was there anything that he did that you would make you think he did that to Kaylee to cause the accident? Absolutely. If I didn't want to or if I said no, he'd put a pillow over my face and he'd smother me to knock me out. That could be the accident. 
possible. The stitched together allegation now is that you may have smothered Kaylee while abusing her sexually and made it look like a drowning to cover it up. Do you want to say anything to that? That's a lie. That is a lie. I would never do that. I haven't done that. It's not in my brain to do anything like that to my daughter, but especially my granddaughter. Oh my gosh, that's that's one of the cruelest things I ever been accused of in my life. The cruelest, yes. It is, it is. But again, this was just the interview and reaction portion. It was not the polygraph. And once again, I don't think that George necessarily did anything, but the body language and the lack of emotion just felt very odd to me. And when he was point blank asked if he had ever sexually violated Kaylee or hurt her in that way, he said, absolutely not, twice. But in a very stoic way, just saying, absolutely not, absolutely not, which again, I whatever, everybody communicates differently. I'm just saying what I noticed and what stuck out to me. He also said that Casey is going to hell and that he knows he is going to heaven. So while we're on this whole drowning thing, I want to talk about parts of an affidavit from Dominic Casey, who was a detective that was hired by Casey's defense team to work on the case. These were from court records from Casey's bankruptcy case, and this particular document was filed on April 25th, 2016. So part of this filing talks about how there is a conflict of interest because the other lawyer on one side is Cheney Mason and he previously represented Dominic Casey. Now, if you've watched Peacock, that is the lawyer who says that he believes that Casey 1000% is telling the truth and she actually works for him now, which is really interesting because part of this affidavit that Dominic, by the way, has signed under penalty of perjury he says that on March 27, 2009, Cheney Mason told Dominic not to disclose anything about Casey murdering Kaylee, also not to disclose for what purpose she used the duct tape or when Casey disposed of Kaylee's decomposed body on Suburban Drive. It goes on and Dominic says, and I'm going to read verbatim here and show it on the screen in the video version, during the publicity involved in the missing child case, Casey Anthony became aware of the telephone calls made to police by Roy, the meter reader who found Kaylee, indicating that he had located the remains of Kaylee Anthony. Casey Anthony told me at the time, again, this according to Dominic, Kaylee is not coming home. They need to get used to that. Casey asked me in September of 2008 if the guy found anything. In October 2008, just prior to the remains being found, Casey told me that when Kaylee came up missing, the back gate was left ajar. Since Roy was a meter reader for the house, maybe, quote, we could say that Roy kidnapped Kaylee. I told her I would not do that because we both know he had nothing to do with Kaylee's disappearance, but she was insistent that he, Roy, be implicated or blamed in some way. On December 11, 2008, it was confirmed that Roy had discovered Kaylee's remains. During a meeting at the hotel that evening, Jose, the defense attorney, came up to meet with George and Cindy Anthony. She asked him what was found, and Jose said, let's go to the room to talk. Roy is very, very suspicious. He then says, I have never met with, spoken with, corresponded with, or in any manner communicated with Roy at any time, up to and including the date of the signing of this affidavit. Based on my personal knowledge of the events and the statements I personally heard from Casey Anthony, she authorized and permitted her attorneys, including Jose, to make false statements about Roy to portray him as a murderer or a kidnapper of Kaylee Anthony. 
Now I'm going to read a couple like verbatim statements that he put within the affidavit here. So he says, my name is Dominic Casey. I am over the age of 18 years old and I am competent to testify to matters contained herein. I make this affidavit on my own personal knowledge. In July of 2008, I was a detective hired by the Jose Baez law firm to work with the defense team for Casey Anthony, who was accused of killing her daughter Kaylee Marie Anthony. Within two weeks of Casey Anthony's July 16, 2008 arrest, Jose retained my agency, DNA Investigations, Inc. Saturday, July 26, 2008, Jose had told me that Casey had murdered Kaylee and dumped the body somewhere, and that he needed all of the help he could get to find the body before anyone else did. Shortly after being retained for the defense, I met Casey Anthony at the jail. There was no doubt that she had psychological issues. What they were had yet to be professionally diagnosed. Jose refused to have her evaluated by a psychological professional. Casey had entered into a retainer agreement with Jose's law firm. This retainer agreement required her to pay legal fees to Jose's law firm. She had no money and willingly entered into a second agreement with Jose individually. In exchange for her legal fees and under the terms of the second agreement, she signed over both her and Kaylee's intellectual property rights, also quote-unquote life rights, and these life rights were exclusively licensed to Jose individually. The second agreement also required Casey to provide Jose with an extensive library of photographs, videos, and other items that he could sell. I mean, talk about exploitation. It is just sick. It goes on to say, On August 4th, 2008, I met with Jose at his office to inform him of statements that Casey had made during jail video visitations with her father, mother, and brother, George, Cindy, and Lee. She had made statements suggesting Kaylee's location. Quote, Look in familiar places. Check places we are familiar with. In my gut, she's still okay. And it still feels like she's close to home. I know in my heart, she's not far. I can feel it. What's your gut telling you right now? My you have the telling same... me that she's okay. Okay. And your gut tells you that she's close or some... she's, she's hiding. She's, she's not far. I know in my heart she's not far. I can feel it. On hearing Casey's statements, I pulled up an aerial view of the Anthony's neighborhood looking for an area that she could have used to dispose of Kaylee's body. At the meeting, Jose suggested to me that if I could gain access to the swamp on Suburban Drive without being seen, I needed to do so, that it could be the place that Casey had dumped Kaylee's body. Access, however, could not be gained at the time because of active searches being conducted by law enforcement, searchers, and the media presence in the area. On August 8, 2008, I presented evidence to Jose suggesting that there could have been an accident and that Kaylee drowned in the backyard pool. The accident snowballed out of control, that Casey panicked and then dumped Kaylee's body. Casey did not call for help because she was afraid to say anything. She then went on the run. She may allege that her father and brother had been sexually assaulting her since she was 8 years old, and because of this, Casey was used to hiding her pain. 31 days later, Casey's mother, Cindy, located her. Casey had been hiding out at a new boyfriend's apartment. Her family and longtime friends did not know this new boyfriend and did not know where he lived. On August 11, 2008, a meter reader Roy walked into the utility easement from Suburban Drive, and that's when he saw a little round object in the swamp, which he believed to be a child's skull. At 4.28 p.m., he called 911 to report what he believed to have seen. 
One of Casey's high school friends, Keo Marie Cruz, lived on the same street as Casey. She had also called the sheriff's department and informed them that Casey, Jessica, and she had used Suburban Drive as a teenage hangout. Because this was a familiar place, Keo Marie said that Casey may have buried Kaylee there. That night, news reported that Keo Marie and a deputy sheriff drove around the neighborhood and along Suburban Drive. On August 12, 2008, the state attorney offered limited immunity for Casey in exchange for information regarding Kaylee. Casey wanted to accept the plea deal. Jose told her to wait until he returned from New York and that he would be able to bond her out of jail. So two days later, on August 14th, while Jose was still in New York, Casey wrote a letter to the sheriff asking if he could set up a meeting with her father, George Anthony. She wanted George to help her work out a plea deal while Jose was in New York and say that there was an accidental drowning. One of Jose's associates arrived at the jail when detectives had arrived to talk to Casey, and the associate prevented any contact with Casey. Fast forward a month to September 3rd, same year, 2008, and a meeting was arranged by Never Lose Hope Foundation. This was for George, Cindy, and Lee to meet with an attorney for the purpose of the attorney becoming their spokesperson. Unknown to them at the time, and on the way to meet the attorney, they were taken to meet Pete Benavides, a convicted drug trafficker and money launderer for El Chapo, the Mexican drug lord and head of the Sinaloa cartel. In addition to the $200,000 reward money, Benavides was now going to put up money for Casey's defense, and $500,000 necessary for Casey's second bail bond. Then on September 5th, I drove Jose, his associate, and a bails bondsman to pick up Casey from the jail. Jose had scheduled a television interview for her that night. She did not want to be interviewed, and she asked Jose to call and cancel. He called the network, saying that they would have to take a rain check, then he hung up the phone, and he said to Casey, you now owe me three blowjobs. On September 12th, Casey asked if Jose knew about a meeting that I had with Lee at my office. I told her no, that Jose has been unavailable. She had concerns about, quote, the guy on Suburban Drive and whether or not he had found anything. Casey did not want me to discuss anything with Jose because she was getting a new attorney and she was going to a plea deal. She asked me to continue representing her and asked me to bring a contract. So on September 13th, Casey signed a letter of engagement with my agency, DNA. Lee Anthony was present and witnessed her signature. Two days later, on September 15th, Laura Buchanan, who was one of Jose's bloggers, emailed George and Cindy's new attorney, Mark, claiming that she had heard, quote, disturbing things like George was assaulting Casey when she was younger and then started to assault Kaylee, that Kaylee could possibly belong to George or to Lee, her brother. Within two weeks, the misconduct between Casey and Jose had escalated. I arrived at Jose's office unexpectedly one day, and once again, I witnessed Casey naked. This time, she ran off from his private office, through the conference room, and then to the hallway. That night, I told her that she cannot allow him to continue engaging in this behavior. Casey told me that she had to do what Jose said because she had no money for her defense. I reminded her that Jose had more than enough money from the network that he sold the photographs to to pay for her defense. So Casey apologized and assured me that it would not happen again. My investigation into members of the defense team and into Casey Anthony continued through Casey's trial in 2011, and it remains ongoing at the time and date of this affidavit. Prior to the grand jury indictment on October 14, 2008, Casey thanked me for providing, quote, what Jose needed. She explained about not being aware of the details other than George would be implicated. After all, he was the only one in the family who would be testifying against her at the grand jury hearing. 
Casey talked about June 15, 2008, which also was Father's Day, and that's when Cindy Anthony had taken Kaylee to Mount Dora. When they returned, Cindy and Kaylee went swimming in the backyard in the above-ground pool. Casey had arrived home while they were swimming. Cindy asked Casey to get Kaylee's bath ready. Casey got a towel and took Kaylee inside the house for her bath. Cindy had removed Kaylee's life jacket bathing suit and removed the ladder from the pool platform and then moved it away from the pool. Cindy then went into the bathroom. Casey and Kaylee were having a bath together. Casey suggested that we could say that Cindy left that ladder up against the pool. Then on June 16, 2008, Casey had also left the back gate ajar. Since Roy was a meter reader for the house, she said, quote, maybe we could say that he kidnapped Kaylee. I told her I would not do that because we both knew that Cindy and Roy had nothing to do with Kaylee's disappearance, but she was insistent that George, Cindy, Lee, and the meter reader be implicated and blamed for the murder of Kaylee. On October 14, 2008, Casey was indicted on first-degree murder charges, and she was placed on a no-bond status at the Orange County Jail in Orlando. On December 11th of that year, Kaylee's remains were discovered inside the swamp on Suburban Drive. The following week, Jose began talking to the media about a video that was taken of me at Suburban Drive in November of 2008. Jose actively pursued a public and media campaign to implicate me in the disposal of Kaylee's body. He told the media, quote, I wasn't buying Dominic's stories about being there by a psychic, or the fact that he was investigating whether that was a teenage hangout of Casey's. It was beyond suspicious. What was beyond suspicious? Jose had already told me on Saturday, July 26, that Casey had murdered Kaylee and dumped the body somewhere. He had also suggested to me that if I could gain access to the swamp on Suburban Drive without being seen, to do so, because it could be the place that Casey had dumped Kaylee's body. At Casey Anthony's trial, one of her defense attorneys asked my attorney if we could meet to discuss the questions that she would ask me on the stand. We met in a room at the courthouse, which had been provided to the defense for the trial. Casey's attorney had a list of video markers relevant to the secretly recorded video that was taken by James, which is George and Cindy's volunteer security person, and this was taken of me on Suburban Drive in November of 2008. The questions were designed to promote responses that would implicate me in the dumping of Kaylee's body in the swamp and connect me to Roy, the meter reader. I made it clear to the defense attorney that the video was secretly recorded. It had also been tampered with, cut and pasted, and she needed to talk with Jose about it. The attorney had absolutely no idea of Casey and Jose's planned fraud. Then when I was called to the stand for my testimony, the secretly recorded video was never produced. Based on my knowledge of the events and the statements that I personally heard from Casey Anthony, she authorized and permitted her attorneys, including Jose, to make false statements about George, Lee, Cindy, and Roy, and portray them as being responsible for the murder of Kaylee Marie Anthony. Casey and Jose knowingly and purposefully made false statements about me and portrayed me as being involved in a conspiracy with George and Cindy, and also with Roy, to conceal Kaylee's body. Somewhere in this ludicrous scenario, it was suggested that George gave Kaylee's body to me for disposal. Cindy sent me to Suburban Drive in September of 2008, and then Roy concealed the body until Thursday, December 11, 2008. Then, in anticipation of collecting a reward, he dumped Kaylee's remains into the swamp and then radioed his boss. Then it just shows where he signed this and made it official. So all of that basically combating everything that Casey and Jose had been saying was the truth. But we're not even done yet, because I do want to remind you of the Google searches. And I know we're going to get to the poly results soon, guys, but I feel like I just really need to lay out everything so that the results make more sense. 
So we have the infamous Google searches. The Google searches of the day that Kaylee went missing, Casey was at her parents' house, and this was confirmed by her cell phone pings. And the search was typed in at 2.51 p.m., which was a search for suffocation, even though the word suffocation was misspelled. Seconds later, the user was pointed to a website with writing that suggested, poison yourself and then follow it up with suffocation by placing a plastic bag over the head. Then one minute after that search, a MySpace account was accessed. And guess what? It was Casey's account, and Casey was the only person in the house who used MySpace as a social networking site. She ended up leaving at 4 p.m. that day to then go to Tony's house. So initially, searches tried to be blamed on Cindy, but her time card at work showed that she was working at the time of these searches. And now we know that Cindy didn't make any of those searches, including the infamous search about the chloroform, which Cindy had lied about saying that it was her that searched it, but her time card obviously negated that. And this search was how to make chloroform. And get this, the net analysis of the times between the MySpace accessing and the how to make chloroform search are 20 seconds apart. So tell me why Cindy would be logging into Casey's MySpace and then searching chloroform all while she is at work and her time card shows she's at work. It makes absolutely no sense. But we love to see it. We love to see digital forensic data catch people in lies. We really do. So now that the searches couldn't be blamed on Cindy because it was obvious that she was at work and her time card indicated that, she needed to find another scapegoat, right? Casey needed somebody else to be responsible for these searches because it could not be her. So that is when she said that her dad made those searches. But here's the discrepancy in all of that because at 2.49 p.m., George left for work and he was confirmed to be at work at 3 p.m., which was approximately 10 minutes from his house. Then at 3.02 p.m., right after he arrived, George called the house landline. So Casey tries to say that he made those searches on the home computer at 2.51 and 2.53 p.m., then drove to work, got there by 3, then called the landline, which that would make sense if he was driving super fast, was speeding, or was, I don't know, the flash. But also, why would he, again, log into her MySpace account, her photo bucket account? And if he were responsible for all of this from earlier in the morning and had carried Kaylee's wet, lifeless body to Casey, why would he Google suffocation five and a half hours later? Five and a half hours after he was holding Kaylee's lifeless body. Why would he need a method of murder after she was already dead? Make it make sense. Now, the defense says that it was the state's fault that they never brought up these searches in the trial, because if they had, this might have actually gone down totally differently, which is beyond frustrating to think about. We were waiting for the state to bring it up, and when they didn't, we were kind of shocked. Why they didn't bring it up or how it happened, you'd have to ask them about it. I don't understand how no one ever knew about this evidence. Uh, we were keeping it close to the vest and, and ready to uh, counterpunch uh, in the trial, and it never came up. Now, what I will say, and I could never put my finger on it, but after seeing the documentary and even hearing everything that went down in the trial and watching the trial, I don't believe that the story that Casey is trying to sell. But I did think that maybe George had some sort of involvement in helping hide the body and that maybe he did no more. I think it's possible that Casey killed her accidentally rather than intentionally, and then she went to her dad for help because of his career in law enforcement. But I honestly think it's more likely that Casey just wanted her freedom in all of this. So she got rid of Kaylee and then lied to everyone about everything she knew because she didn't want to get caught. 
And then she got caught, and she had to curate this new story with her defense team. Now, for that 31 days, George actually said that he did not talk to Casey one time, not one time in those 31 days, but that Cindy was actually the one relaying information to him, saying, no, Kaylee's fine. Casey told me she's with the nanny. She's here. She's there. Everything's fine because apparently Cindy was talking to Casey every single day, and Casey was giving her those updates of where she is, what's really going on, and Cindy believed it and took it at face value and was the one communicating to George, oh, Kaylee's just at the nannies, or Kaylee's here, Kaylee's here, Casey's got her here. And so they never had suspected anything until, obviously, that day when Cindy made that 911 call. So after finding Kaylee's remains and the trial and all of those things, I want to talk a little bit about the aftermath. Cindy admitted to getting physical with Casey a few times during everything that happened with Kaylee and while everything was going down, and she says that she actually even put her on the floor a few times and would, like, be sitting on her. She also said that one of the biggest points of contention between her and George all of these years is that George believes firmly that Casey drugged Kaylee. And Cindy says that she thinks that George thinks this because he was brainwashed into thinking that by the sheriff's department. And she says that it's because they tried to convince her of that as well, and that there's no evidence of Kaylee being drugged. So she thinks that he was brainwashed by the sheriffs to think that. But that has been a point of contention in their marriage still to this day, because he still feels, like I mentioned, that Cindy is making excuses for Casey and kind of covering things up and choosing to believe her about the accidental drowning and things like that. Whereas he believes, no, I think Casey drugged her and I think that she killed her. Over the years, though, apparently Casey has sent a ton of, like, greeting cards of such to Cindy. And these, all of these cards were very, very positive, saying how thankful she was to have her parents in her life, how much she loved them, how she wouldn't have anything in her life if it weren't for them. And just, like, this outpouring of love, love, love in all of these cards, saying, I'm so proud to be your daughter, etc. All of these, like, very, very sweet and nice, loving sentiments. Which is odd, because Cindy says that she hasn't physically seen Casey in person since 2016. So she had received all of these cards, these loving cards, but then since that, things have turned very, very hateful and toxic between the relationship with Cindy and George and their daughter. And in this new documentary, Cindy shares some pretty explosive text messages, and I'm going to read them to you. But first, we're going to hear from the last sponsors of today's episode. Now, we can all probably agree that online dating has just made it so easy to just swipe right, swipe left, and weed out what you're looking for in a partner. And wouldn't it be great if you could do that same concept when looking for a doctor? One where you can vibe with them, feel comfortable with them, where you don't need to compromise? Well, in enter ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel more comfortable and actually listen to you. And we're not talking about just a few. We're talking about tens of thousands of doctors who are all verified with patient reviews. So you can make sure that the vibes are vibing before you ever actually meet in real life. With ZocDoc, you've got more options than you even know, and you can search by location, availability, insurance. So literally, there are no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you even know what to do with. And again, all of these docs have verified reviews from actual real patients. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. I use ZocDoc and you should too. Go to ZocDoc.com slash Annie Elise and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Annie Elise. ZocDoc.com slash Annie Elise. 
Those holiday bills are on their way, and for a lot of us, that means that we are starting off this new year with even more debt. But here's a chance to start digging out, and my friends at PDS Debt can help you make a plan to be debt-free. PDS Debt has customized options for anyone struggling with credit cards, personal loans, collections, or medical bills. See, PDS rolls all of your monthly payments into one low, interest-free monthly payment. So if you're making payments every single month on your debt and your balances aren't going down, this program is absolutely for you. And everyone with $10,000 or more in eligible debt qualifies, and there's also no minimum credit score required. Bad and fair credit are accepted. So you can save thousands in interest and fees and pay off your debt in a fraction of the time. Start the year off with a plan to be debt-free. And right now, PDS Debt is offering a free debt analysis to our listeners. It only takes 30 seconds. Head over to pdsdebt.com save to get your free debt assessment today. That's pdsdebt.com save for your free assessment. pdsdebt.com save. So like I said, their relationship became hateful. And in this documentary, this new one that just aired, Cindy shares some of these text messages, which are pretty horrifying. So on Saturday, October 23rd, 2021, Casey says, I am going to once again ask to come and retrieve my daughter's ashes, as well as more of her property and anything else of mine that is still at your house. I will be in town in two weeks, so let me know if arrangements can be made. Thank you. Cindy responds, sorry, but there is nothing here for you to pick up. We can ask the sheriff's department to give us the remaining property and go through it together. I'm not parting with her ashes. That's all you gave me of her in the end. I'm not trying to be mean, but that's how I feel. If you can share her last day with me, dot, 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 and then the message cuts off. So Casey then replies saying, stay with your murderous, adulterous, rapist husband. That's who has the answers, always has, and always will. You don't deserve any part of her, and you will never again have any part of me. You chose your husband over both your grandchild and your children. Biggest mistake of your life. I will be there to pick up my daughter's ashes when you're dead. Thank you for the reminder of who you really are. Goodbye. I will never reach out again. So Cindy responds to this and says, Your father didn't touch you or Kaylee. You need help. You're the one who tore this family apart. I worked my ass off to give Kaylee everything she had. Remember, you didn't work. You stole money from me and Grandpa. You left her every night with me because you wanted to hang out with your boyfriends. How dare you? Don't ever say I don't deserve any part of her. I fought for her when you put her in the woods to rot and be eaten by animals and insects. Live with that. And then Cindy goes on to say that she actually texted Casey photos of Kaylee's remains while they were in the woods, and then they continued texting. Cindy says, This is what was left of Kaylee when she was found, scattered all over the woods on Suburban. You put her there. And then in the documentary, Cindy says that she has always told Casey that she could have the ashes when she died, but now she doesn't want her to have those ashes, period. And she says that she will make sure that she spreads them somewhere before she dies because Casey does not deserve them. So she goes on to say that it was after this huge blow up with Casey that there is now no longer any reconciliation between not just Casey and George, but now with Casey and Cindy. So Cindy believes that in Casey's mind, she's thinking, okay, well now I'm not going to have a relationship with my mom either, so now I can just go off, do whatever, say whatever, say what a bitch she is and how controlling she was, and smear both of them. And that's exactly what Casey did, because then that's when she came out with her Peacock special. So those text messages were from October of 2021, and Casey filmed her Peacock documentary 
four months later in February of 2022. Timing is a coincidence, right? So now let's go back into the poly questions. Now I've kind of set the stage. I explained what their reactions were, what the allegations were, so that it just really sets up the scene more for what these questions are. Now let's go into the questions. And then we're going to talk about the message that Cindy and George delivered to Casey through this new documentary. So starting with Cindy and the poly test, the first question, did George ever confirm that he was actively involved in Kaylee's death? She responds, no. The next question, did George ever confirm that he actively participated in Kaylee's disappearance? She responded, no. Did George ever say that he knew where Kaylee was while she was missing? And she responded, no. She was asked all of these questions multiple times so that the analyst could get a pattern. And they came back with the results that she passed, that there was no deception indicated to all of the relevant questions. Wow, do you hear that plane going overhead? One sec, I need to have a sip of my DC. Okay, so now we go into George. George is up next. And remember, he had two different bundles of questions. The first one bundle was going to be about the sexual allegations, and then the next was going to be about Kaylee's disappearance. So the first question, did you ever have sexual contact with Casey? He says no. Did you ever touch Casey for sexual gratification? He says no. As an adult, have you ever had sexual contact with a minor? And he says no. Just like Cindy, he was asked these questions multiple times to get a pattern, and he passed with no deception indicated to all of the relevant questions. So when they hear these results, they both start sobbing because they feel like they are finally heard, they are finally believed that the truth is finally out there. But the second exam was up next, and this exam was about Kaylee. I also want to mention a lot of people believe that because of George's history in law enforcement that he would know how to pass a poly, especially after all of these years. But I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true. The FBI agent who has over 20 years experience and is a specialist, I would imagine that would be difficult to fool him. Plus, during the examination, he kept telling George, like, stop moving your feet, re-answer the question, stop doing this. So I don't know if that's really likely. George Levo administered that polygraph test to both of the Anthony parents, and he joins me now live. George, I have been dying to talk to you. Easy question right off the top. Your your impressions from behind the scene. Tell me all about it. Well, uh, uh, George and Cindy uh, uh, strike me as a very typical uh, uh, couple. Uh, Nothing really out of the ordinary struck me. I, I met them right before the polygraph exam, so we didn't have a lot of time to get to know each other. Uh, literally just a few minutes, we shook hands and then we sat down and began the pre-test interview right away. Uh, and they seem nice enough. Uh, he does seem to be the same way he is on TV as the way he was in person. So that's the thing. They have not had normal lives. And I don't know how normal the lives are of people you normally strap into the to the, to the machine. Um, but it, if you put me on that machine, I'd fail everything. I get panicked when people ask me math on demand. Do you get the sense that any of that could have played into their answers? Well, there's always that sense of contamination. Contamination is all the things that might affect a polygraph exam other than the fear of being caught in a lie. So just the same type of things that would affect normal conversations like uh, nervousness, fear, um, uh, confusion. 
we try to do everything we can to minimize those contaminants and so that we're looking at uh, deception indicators only. But now they get into the Kaylee portion of this. Did you actively cause Kaylee's disappearance? George replies, no. Did you knowingly conceal Kaylee's whereabouts? And remember, this is the question that they actually had to ask multiple times and that he was struggling with, but he says no. Did you knowingly conceal Kaylee's whereabouts? No. I mean, I, I didn't know where she was at. Correct. That's all I'm asking. So the question again, did you knowingly conceal Kaylee's whereabouts? No. Okay, so you're struggling with that one a little bit. Tell me why. Maybe it's because I, I was so close to our house. Yeah. That she was found. Right. Um, but think about the times you went out looking for her. Yes. Did you know where she was that whole time? No. Are you sure? I, I, I didn't know where she was at. Okay, that's all I'm asking you. I did not know. That's all I'm asking you. Okay, George? You kind of pull it together. I just was visualizing the, the woods at the moment. I'm sorry. You, the what? the woods where she was found. Yes, I'm sorry, yes. I'm sorry. Okay, you're gonna have to compartmentalize right now. Okay. As you sit here right now, Hello. did you conceal her whereabouts? Did I conceal her whereabouts? I, I did not know where she was at. Okay, so why are you struggling with that? Did you place Kaylee's body in the ground? No. Once again, asked multiple times to get the pattern, and for this bundle, he passed with no deception indicated to all of the relevant questions. So they're continuing to sob and cry, and they're just saying how thankful they are. They feel like they can actually like go to the grocery store now, they can leave the house, and that the truth is out there. And then the journalist asks them, what would you say to Casey? Now, given what you've seen in the documentary, given the polygraph test, what message do you have for your daughter who has spewed such hateful, horrific, revolting allegations? And Cindy's message to Casey was that she will always love her and that she wishes her well, but she hopes that she can accept the truth one day, not her version of the truth, but the actual truth. And George's message was a bit more cut and dry, which can't say I blame him. His message to Casey was that he has been devastated since all of this has happened and that he has also contemplated taking his own life many, many times because of the devastation and because of the accusations. And so he says, because of this, he just says, and I quote, just know that you blew it. You blew it with this family. The FBI agent who conducted this polygraph test also starts talking to the camera in an interview that's private off-site, and he starts talking about Casey's Peacock documentary and what he believes to be the truth. And he says that Casey did not seem to come off as credible in her documentary and that this was based on his demeanor. He says, obviously, I can't know for certain until I meet with her one-on-one in person, but based on what I'm seeing and what I'm watching, she does not seem very credible to me. So I want to know what you think, because I don't think personally, my view has always kind of been that I didn't think George was involved, at least not to the degree that Casey was trying to paint the picture of. I also didn't believe all of the allegations of abuse, which I go on in more detail on the actual Casey Peacock video I did, which again, I will link and I kind of dissect that and dismantle it and tell you why I don't believe all of that. But I got to still say some of the behavior in this talk gave me pause. Not that it means anything, but there's still just something in my stomach that feels icky that makes me feel like 
I don't think we will ever know the real truth. I don't know that we will ever get the truth. Somebody here is lying. Casey's either lying, Cindy's either lying, or George is either lying. Somebody here is lying. I personally think Casey's lying way more than anybody else, but I, th- I do think in my gut that there's probably a little bit of deception from everybody involved. So I don't know that we'll ever know the full truth. But like I said at the start of this video, please, if you're watching the video version of this, let me know in the comment section, has your mind changed on anything in this? Or do you still believe firmly what you believed in the beginning of this video? Do you believe that George and Cindy had any involvement, had no involvement, had some involvement? Let me know what you think. And if you want to, I'll put a poll over on Spotify. So if you're only listening to the audio version of this, you can also vote on what you think. But you could also leave your personal feedback if you have more thoughts and feedback in the review section over on the podcast. So I, again, reported this off the cuff for you today, but I had to jump on the mic. I pushed the scheduled episode that was supposed to be released today out because I just felt like this was too big to not talk about. I'm hoping we never talk about trout ass lying dumpster fire Casey ever, ever again. I really do. But at the same time, I do hope truth comes out. So then that would force us to, I guess, talk about it again. I don't know. I'm indifferent. I just know that I think she is garbage, trash, and not even a human being. And as Ariana Maddox would say during Scandaval, you are subhuman. You are filth. You are trash. You are garbage. And it's just so crazy thinking that Kaylee would be almost 20 years old today, right? Like that is insane to me. Insane to me. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Serialistly with me, guys. And before you go, guys, don't forget to snag all of those amazing deals while they last. All of the links are in the description. You can get hooked up with $65 off your first box of Daily Harvest, 10% off your first month at BetterHelp. Head over to ZocDoc to find a top-rated doctor. And if you're struggling with debt and trying to pay things off, head over to PDS Debt. I hope you enjoyed the coverage and I was able to break it down a little bit so that you don't give Casey any more of your money or any of that with her Peacock documentary. Make sure you go watch the other one where I show it and I talk about it and um, let me know what you think. I'm eager to know. I am going to finish this Diet Coke. It is Saturday. I am going to go get a little vitamin D in my life, even though it's freezing here in California. It's 40 degrees, but I'm going to try to wipe this person from my mind because she has lived in my mind rent-free for literally over 15 years and that is not acceptable to me so on that note i am signing off hope you all have a great day and i will talk with you again very soon all right bye